0: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm glad you've joined us today. We're going to deal today with prayer. Probably the hardest work we do is to pray. And usually we don't pray because we don't have to pray. Prayer that's effectual is prayer that rises up out of the heart, it's passionate. And it's focused. That passionate, focused prayer stands on a rhema word of God, and it stands on the promises of God. The promises of God are open to us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Second Peter tells us that we participate in the divine nature by the precious promises. Every word of Scripture is a precious promise. Let's go back in time and maybe not so far back in time. The nation is wallowing in wickedness. Every unclean thing is being honored. Sexual immorality is rampant. Homosexuality is on every hand. There is utter corruption in the government. They strain against any restraint of decency. Whatever they can do for their pleasure, they will do. If that means... Denying the right of land ownership, they will steal your property. They will exercise eminent domain. They will do whatever they need to do to prosper their own agenda. And the nation is literally under God's judgment. Now, some of you may be thinking I'm referring to the United States of America. Well, you would be right. There is all of that in America today. But I'm speaking primarily about Israel. There are very real parallels between today and the nation of Israel under one of the most wicked kings to ever hold the throne. He was utterly without principle and utterly without redeeming grace. His name was Ahab. He married a wicked woman, a Sidonite, utterly given to pagan witchcraft. And the pillow talk always led him by the nose. He would do whatever she wanted done, regardless of how ungodly or unclean. A scripture found in James, the fifth chapter. Let me read it for you. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful being effective with reference to many things. Verse 17, Elijah was a man like us, and in prayer he prayed that it might not rain, and it rained not upon the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth produced her fruit. James is saying that we are to be like Elijah, with the ability to go into the prayer closet and secure judgment against wickedness in a wicked nation. I've been praying that God would raise up an Elijah company in this day and in this hour for America. An Elijah company is recognized by its refusal to accept compromise with evil. The Elijah Company is recognized by its asking the Lord Jesus for judgment unto repentance in the nation. We have at the National Prayer Chapel been praying now for many years Asking the Lord for judgment unto repentance. We're not asking for judgment unto destruction. Elijah did not ask for judgment unto destruction. He asked for judgment unto repentance, unto revival. And third, this Elijah company is recognized because they are hidden away. They are not seeking political power. They are not seeking recognition. They recognize themselves as being the least of God's people. They are not out trying to make a name for themselves. They are not trying to establish themselves as being people of great importance. The word chapel is... An interesting choice for who the Lord called the National Prayer Chapel. Do you know what chapel means? Chapel was a small room in a castle. And it's where the coats were stored as the guests would come. The attendants would take the coats and there they would brush the coats and clean them. They would clean and polish the boots, so that when the guests left, they left with coats that were not spattered with mud. They left with shoes that that were clean. They were servants. Well, that small little room that started out as a coat closet turned into a prayer closet. And it turned into being a small chapel in English castles. The National Prayer Chapel is just a small chapel, a prayer chapel. People who are not publicly known, people who are not important, people who are hidden away, about the only exposure we have is this broadcast calling you to the Elijah Company, calling you to walk in repentance and holiness before God. We recognize that the church is made up not of institutions or organizations. The church is the ecclesia, those who are called out of Babylon, those who are called out to worship before God those who are called out to pray. My house is to be a house of prayer, Jesus said. And so we come as a prayer chapel to pray. And what do we pray? Of course, we pray repentance for any uncleanness in our own lives. But secondly, we pray for America. We pray that America will be true to its constitution, to its bylaws, We pray that America will be walking with integrity before God. And right now, it's not. It's filled with utter darkness. And so we come like Elijah, because we're part of the Elijah company. We come refusing to accept compromise with evil or darkness. We do not play the modern apostate church game of entertainment. We don't play the game of... Look at us, we're somebody. We're the least of God's children. But we come refusing to accept compromise with evil, refusing to accept abortion, which we see as murder of babies. We refuse to accept the call to be somebody, the ambition to be great. We refuse the the call the siren call of the world to enjoy its entertainment we turn aside from the television we turn aside from the modern gladiators of sports we turn aside from from the unclean we are called to walk hidden away in jesus asking the lord for judgment Judgment upon the wickedness of America that will cause America to repent. Now, Elijah, he prayed. He didn't go stand in the city square with placards. He prayed. How long did he pray before? He heard the word, go announce that it's not going to rain. I'm sure he was praying it would not rain. He knew that if it didn't rain, the agrarian culture of Israel would be dramatically influenced and everyone would feel the pain and the bite because produce would increase in price. Grain would increase in price. Famine would come upon the land. People would become desperate. They would cry out to their gods, and their gods would not hear them. They would be under severe judgment from God, but it would be judgment unto repentance, not unto destruction. Let's be clear. The National Prayer Chapel is not anti-American. We love America with all of our hearts, and because we love America... We pray for judgment and repentance, that righteousness will be restored both in our government, our Congress, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. For right now, the judicial branch is evil. Its decisions are filled with darkness. They dare to think that they can challenge God and change the definition of the institution of holy marriage. They didn't invent marriage. God brought marriage to us long before America existed. And yet our Supreme Court thinks it has the right, in their arrogance, to change the definition of marriage. They think they have the right to open the door for the murder now of probably 60 million little children in the mama's womb. What horrible arrogance our Supreme Court has. I'm asking God to judge them. I'm asking God to bring judgment on the executive, on the executive branch, and I think that that is happening. I'm asking God to bring judgment on our legislators, for they have stood back while America was being destroyed, bringing every unclean thing into this nation's life. Unclean, unclean, unclean. I'm asking God to bring judgment on Hollywood. I'm asking God to bring judgment on every aspect of crony capitalism and and the lying central banks. I'm asking God to utterly destroy the Federal Reserve. Not judge it, destroy it. You know the Federal Reserve is not federal. It's privately owned by secret people who are raping America. I ask God, oh God, will you destroy the Federal Reserve? Don't audit it. Destroy it. Crash it. Burn it. It is probably one of the greatest evils that America has ever known. It has utterly corrupted our finances in America. It has... When I was a child, not that many years ago, I could buy and did buy my first ice cream cone for a nickel. I could buy a Coke for a dime. I bought my gas for 80 cents a gallon. Incredible. Have these things increased in price? No. The dollar has been inflated and devalued by the Fed. When Richard Nixon took us off the gold standard, he destroyed fiat currency. And we are going to see a great deal of judgment of God upon the currency of America, on the dollar. I'm watching carefully to see what happens in the bond market It looks like this bubble that has been created is about to burst, and there will be much lost, trillions of dollars are at stake between the bond market and and other bets that the banks have made to try to cover themselves. So I come today to talk about Elijah's prayer. If we can pray like Elijah prayed and expect to see the results that Elijah saw, then we need to know how he prayed. And first, you have to recognize, and I'll read it for you again, The prayer of a righteous man is powerful, being effective with reference to many things. Elijah was a man like us, and in prayer he prayed that it might not rain, and it rained not upon the earth for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced her fruit. But do you see how it was introduced? The prayer of a righteous man. Psalm 118, O God, open for me the gates of righteousness. That must be the cry of our heart if we are going to enter into Elijah's prayer. We must be righteous, not declared righteous, but made righteous in reality, turning aside from all evil and all darkness. God will not respond to the prayer of an unrighteous man if he prays Elijah's prayers. The only prayer God will hear an unrighteous man pray is the prayer of repentance as he's then brought into the school of the Holy Spirit as he is crucified with Christ, as he is born from above. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ dwells in me. It's this man that we're talking about today who has been crucified with Christ. It's this woman we speak about today who has been crucified with Christ, who is a new creature. And now we come into the Elijah company. Sometimes we refer to it as the school of the Holy Spirit, the school of prayer. May I say to you, please, Everything happens with God in the prayer closet. When a righteous man or woman who has confessed his sins, who has turned away from his sins by the power of the Holy Spirit, having been washed by the blood of Jesus, being made clean so that we are not walking in any known sin before Almighty God, and we come in before God, Now we can pray like Elijah prayed. We can pray the Elijah prayer. The prayer of judgment unto repentance. It's time for the Elijah company to gather in churches all over this nation, in homes. It's time for God's people to come and pray the Elijah prayer the prayer of judgment and to repentance. Now, if we go to First Kings, the 18th chapter, we see the beginning of a revival. Fire falls on the offering that Elijah presents. He says, O Lord, God of Abraham and Isaac and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, O Lord, answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. We need to stand on that prayer in America today. We need to stand. Let it be known that you are God in America and that we are your servants and have done all of these prayers at your command and we have taken these actions at your command. We need to hear from God. We need to hear from God, not from our own ego, not from our own needs, not from our own desires. We need to hear from God. I don't know if God wants us to pray that it stops raining in America, but that would certainly bring a crisis. I don't know what the prayer is. I'm asking, Almighty God, would you show me what you want me to pray that would bring judgment and repentance? We have to pray and hear from God what his heart is for America. I don't believe America is washed up. I believe a great time of revival is going to come in America. How do I how do I justify saying such a thing? I hear some people say, "Oh no, there's never going to be another revival because it's not spoken of in the scriptures." I see God slowing down the judgments against America to give us time as Christians, to come and to pray and to cry out before Almighty God. Now, how should we pray? What shall we pray? We have to hear from God what he wants us to pray. We need to understand God's heart. We need to remain hidden away in our prayer closets until we hear the direct command of the Lord and we take the actions he calls us to take. I come on this radio broadcast day after day to call you to take this position with God, to repent of your sin, to turn aside from darkness, to to stop walking in all known sin and to be clean before him, washed in the blood, changed and transformed into the likeness of Jesus so that you can be used in the Elijah company to stand with those of us who have made that vow before God and who don't walk in any known sin, who have turned our backs on the lust of the flesh and the pride of life, who don't care about anything now but the will of God. We come now and we pray. We are servants of the Most High God. And we ask him, answer me, O Lord, answer me, that I will know how to pray before your throne, that I would pray what would please you, Almighty God. And to this point, all I have clearly heard is pray for judgments unto repentance. And so I pray that, and I urge you to pray that. I pray that you will ask Jesus what the word is for the new year coming. Ask Jesus, how do I pray for America? Don't just assume that you know how to pray. You don't. Ask the Holy Spirit how you should pray. Ask how you can join together with the intercession of the Holy Spirit the Lord of the harvest for the salvation of this nation. The fire fell. Revival began. The prophets of Baal were executed. These were the Prosperity prophets, the false prophets. Our churches are filled with prosperity prophets that are false. Just ask God for what you want and it's yours, whatever it is. Put a picture of your new Rolls Royce on the refrigerator and every day do a chant and it'll be yours. What absolute demonic lies. Witchcraft is prominent in the church today. Through chants, through positive affirmations, I hear some people foolishly saying, oh, no, 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 pastor, don't say that because whatever you say is going to come to pass. Your word has power. No, my word does not have power. Jesus has the power. The Holy Spirit has the power. Faith is a lifeless hand reaching out to God. He has the power. There's no power in prayer. There's power in Jesus. There's power in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There's power in the blood, not power in me. So the people see and they fall on their faces and they say, He is God, the Lord, He is God. They seize the prophets, they execute them. And now Elijah makes a strategic mistake. He tells Ahab, Go and eat and drink, for there's the sound of heavy rain. What do I mean? He made a mistake. He should have asked Ahab to go with him to the mountaintop of Carmel and there to kneel with him before Almighty God. Ahab would have had to have repented, or there would have been no rain, and there would have been a true revival. Instead, this is one of the most short-lived revivals in the history of Scripture because he goes back home to his sweetheart, to Jezebel, who talks him out of it. But let's look at the prayer of Elijah. While Ahab goes off to his picnic, Elijah climbs to the top of Mount Carmel. And there he bends down to the ground, and he puts his face between his knees. And he begins to pray that God will bring the rain. What is he standing on? He's standing on the promise that God has made to him, that he can pray that it will not rain and God will stop the rain. And he's now standing on the promise that when he prays that the rain will come, it will come. Some false teachers have suggested that we should just pray one time. And that it would be a lack of faith to ask more than once. They foolishly don't understand the way prayer works. You see, when you pray the promises of God, the promises of God turn around. When you stand on them, they come and stand on you. What do I mean? God always wants to accomplish a purpose in his children's life as they begin to cry out, for another, as they begin to pray for the salvation of another, when they begin to pray for judgment under repentance, God comes and finishes the work of repentance in that man's heart or that woman's heart. Prayer takes time. Prayer takes time. It's not done quickly and easily. You don't shoot prayers at heaven asking for a parking spot, and that's your prayer for the day. You're going to have to take time away from your daily activities. You're going to have to take time even perhaps from your work. One man I know takes time from work. He takes vacation time from work. He takes his leave time to wait before God and fast and pray. I spoke with one brother. He lives up in Boston. A wonderful, godly Christian man. He recently took a week off from his work. He's an engineer. He took a week off from his work to fast and pray before the Lord. Oh, but I want to go to Florida on vacation. Or I want to go to Las Vegas on vacation. Or I want to go somewhere else on vacation. You get to choose. There's nothing wrong with vacation time. But when are you going to pray? When are you going to take a week to fast and pray before God and weep in his presence for America, for your family? For the salvation of men and women that you love? When will you pray? When will you get down on your knees and bend over to the ground and cry out to God? That's what Elijah did. It was not going to just automatically rain. They could have had this whole event take place. They could have had the fire of God fall on the sacrifice. And it would not have rained. Elijah had to go and pray. God wants to involve you in the judgment under repentance that he's calling for in America. But to do that, you're going to have to be a righteous man or a righteous woman. And if you believe it's not possible for you to be righteous except by imputed grace, your prayer will never be answered. You're going to have to have imparted grace, imparted righteousness. You're going to have to be made clean. You're going to have to be washed and turn aside from your sin. Or God will not hear your prayer. And without prayer, America is doomed. There will never be a check to the unrighteousness of America until the pulpits in America are ablaze with righteousness, ablaze against sin ablaze with the need for men and women to be born from above. But that will never happen until the pastors are broken before God, until the pastors repent of their love of darkness, until the pastors turn aside from the wickedness of our day and cry out to God. Jonathan Edwards. It's said that he spent 18 hours a day reading the scriptures and crying out to God before the great revival came when he preached that wonderful sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. That came directly out of the prayer closet and it was that sermon empowered by the Spirit of God that broke the back of wickedness and began to prepare the way for America to rebel against England? Why did we not have a French-style revolution in America? Why did we not have a, a revival of utter wickedness like the French did with the guillotines, with the, the goddess of reason? Very simply, because godly preachers like Jonathan Edwards George Whitfield John and Charles Wesley godly men who came and preached and taught in such a manner that the heart of america was turned toward the living god of heaven and toward holiness and repentance the puritans and the and the old time preachers of puritanism They preached holiness. Now, some would say they preached legalism. Yes, they were a bit legalistic. But they wanted holiness. And they carefully examined their life to make certain before God that they were righteous men and women. And it was this that shaped the American Revolution And it's this that shaped the willingness of God to set America free and establish her as a nation. It's God who defeated Britain. It was not the power of the the armies, of the colonies. We should have been soundly defeated and destroyed. But God intervened because of the righteous preaching and the righteous praying and the righteous witness of our forefathers. Elijah bows in prayer. Now he goes to Mount Carmel And he bows down, puts his face between his knees in humility. After some time of prayer, he stops and he says to a servant, go and look toward the sea. And so the servant went out and he looked out over the sea. He came back and reported, there's nothing there. Does Elijah say, God is not answering my prayer? No, he prays more earnestly. He ups the intensity of his prayer. He has to have an answer from God. It has to begin to rain again that the people will know that it was only Almighty God who brought the rain. A second time, he finishes his prayer. And he tells the servant, go and look, look once more. And the servant comes back again, and he says, there's nothing there. Again, Elijah bows in prayer. My brother, my sister, how do I say this to you in a way you will understand? It's not complicated. It's not simple. It just takes time, and it takes earnest desire, and it takes passion in our hearts to pray. Some of you say a little prayer for the salvation of your children, and then you stop and you don't pray anymore. Why? Pray until you get the answer for your children. Pray until your husband responds to the Holy Spirit. Pray until your wife responds to the Holy Spirit. I received a call yesterday. A wife asking, if I choose not to follow Jesus, does that mean that my husband has the right to divorce me? I said, absolutely no. If you choose to be an unbeliever, your husband is to pray for your salvation and he's to love you, not leave you. An unbeliever should never be the basis of a marriage breakup. It should be the basis for that other spouse who knows about Jesus to become earnest in the prayer closet. Another person has spoken to me, a listener has spoken to me about praying for his wife's salvation. Well, he confesses that he's still walking in sin, that he's still consuming debilitating amounts of alcohol. He's heartbroken over his sin, but he loves his sin, and he won't turn aside from it. He won't take the necessary steps to leave his sin. He wants his comfortable little loving church where they love him in his sin, where they say, it's okay, you're saved, don't worry about it. You think his wife will ever be converted? Of course not. Because he's not been converted. How can he pray for his wife's conversion when he hasn't been converted, when he's still walking in arrogance and sin before God, weeping crocodile tears? Come on. There is power in prayer because there is power in Jesus Christ and there's power in his blood. And it's there to wash us and cleanse us and restore us from the damage the devil has done in our families and in our hearts. Again, Elijah sends his servant to look out over the ocean. Is there any sign? There's no sign. We're told that we're to pray as Elijah did, that the prayer of a righteous man is very effective. Then why isn't the rain coming? Because God is working something out in Elijah's heart. God is working something out in Elijah's heart. For a seventh time, Elijah bows to pray. I can hear his prayer. Almighty God, I prayed for judgment upon our land and repentance. I prayed for an opportunity to confront this nation with righteousness, with the Almighty God. You granted that to me. You granted judgment under repentance. You granted that rain would stop and you told me that when I spoke the word, the rain would come. But, Lord, I've prayed now seven times, and there's been no rain. Lord, if I'm your servant, would you send the rain? I don't know how he prayed. I wonder if he didn't begin to stand on the promise of God that rain would come. Lord, you promised it would rain. I know the rain will come. In my spirit, I hear the rain. In my spirit, I feel the rain. I know it's coming. I'm standing by faith. You have done what you said you would do. I see no physical evidence of this, but I just stand by faith. I know you are a God who keeps your covenant vows. That's where I am right now. I've asked that the rain would come. And there's no rain. I've asked that the rain of revival would come upon America. And there's no rain. (laughs) Mr. Producer... You have a song. Are you there? Send the rain. Let's play that.
1: And low through the thunder and the lightning, may we this assurance know they are bringing to us blessings that we need so desperately, and with them the rage and storm is the answer to our need.
0: Almighty God, send the rain. King of all the earth, I hear revival in my spirit. I hear the sound of revival in my spirit, of men and women confessing their sins and getting right with you, the weeping of those who turn from darkness, those who once more desire. To be filled by your Holy Spirit, to turn from darkness, to cast off all the works of the devil. Lord, I hear revival in my heart and my mind, in my spirit. I hear it, Lord. Would you send the rain, send the fire, send the storm of righteousness upon America? Lord, I cry out today against the darkness of this nation. I cry out against the sin of America. Lord, I cry out and say, Oh God, send judgment unto revival, unto repentance. Hear the cry of my heart. Hear the cry of your people. Lord, many right now are joining together with me. They're praying with me in agreement with me, saying, Oh God, send the rain. Revive us once again. Break the back of the wickedness of this nation. Lord, send the rain. Lord, please, I stand on the promise in Matthew 24 that there would be one last great proclamation of the gospel and if we could not proclaim it loudly enough, in Revelation 14, you promise three angels are going to cry out over the world the last call to righteousness, to repentance. Lord, I know that call is going to come. I pray, Lord, that your people will be able to join together with heavenly beings in the proclamation of revival, in repentance in turning from sin and darkness and being made whole once more. Lord, send the rain. Send the Holy Spirit. Bring that judgment unto righteousness, that judgment unto repentance, that judgment unto revival. Lord, whatever is necessary for you to do to turn this nation I stand by faith that right now you're beginning to do that in America. That right now you are opening the door. That right now you are moving in the hearts of men and women to make them sick and tired of feasting on the table of the devil. That even the ungodly would be tired and exhausted by their pursuit of wickedness that you would cause a great hunger to fall upon this nation for the word of the living God, for righteousness and holiness. I pray that you would send your Holy Spirit to hover over Washington, D.C., and transform this city into a city of righteousness and prayer and godliness. Lord, I pray that you would cause sin to become unpopular in America. that righteousness would rule the day. Lord, thank you. Lord, bless each person who joined together with me in this prayer. Encourage your people to pray, to be the Elijah company, to pray like Elijah prayed. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Well, you know the end of the story. After seven times, he sends his servant forth, and the servant comes back, and he says, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. It's a small thing, but it's a sure sign. And Elijah tells Ahab, you better very quickly get down off this mountain. A great rainstorm is coming. And Elijah, filled with the Holy Spirit, grabs the horse's halter, and he guides that horse through the storm, through the lightning flashes down that mountainside as the streams of water flow. Oh, how I pray this will happen with our president. That he will see and have to run to escape the righteousness of Jesus. That he will be changed and transformed as Nebuchadnezzar was into a man of godliness and belief in Jesus Christ. We're out of time for today. I invite you to go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. There you'll find other sermons and videos. I pray, my brother, my sister, that you will be a part of the Elijah Company. You've been listening to Pastor Ray Greenley on Pilgrim's Progress. God bless you, my brother, my sister. Thank you for listening. I'll talk with you soon. I love you in Jesus.